Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. When we talk about the foundation of our faith, we're going to speak about Messiah, the person, the Son of God. And we're also going to talk not about him as simply the person, but what he did, his work. And when we focus in on the work of Messiah, what stands out? The primary reason that his father sent him into this world was for him to die, be buried, and to rise from the dead. And those three events, the death, burial, and resurrection, all are coming to us within the scriptural context in a certain way, within the context of Passover. And as we talked about last week, if we're going to rightly understand these important things, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, then we need to understand, as the scripture relates to us, the significance of Passover. In other words, there is a reason why these three things took place within the Passover observance. Well, with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Matthew and chapter 26. The book of Matthew and chapter 26. We're going to begin with verse 14 and we're going to see once again that Passover figures in significantly. Let's begin verse 14. Then one of the twelve. Now, we're speaking about the twelve disciples. And so frequently in the disciples or in the scripture, we see that it's just spoken of the disciples or his disciples. But here, there's something different. Here, we find the number 12 being mentioned. And 12 relates to Israel. And we see that what Messiah is going to do, lay down his life, is for Israel. And we need to understand Israel not just as the Jewish people, but as we see in the book of Exodus in chapter 12, where Passover is taught, we find that there was a mixed multitude of individuals, meaning Gentiles, not just the Hebrews, not just the children of Israel, but other individuals that were convicted by what they saw, these plagues and the words that they heard from Moses and Aaron. And they too kept the Passover. And therefore, everyone that came out of Egypt on that first Passover. See, it's wrong to think only the Jewish people came out, but there was a mixed multitude. And whether we're speaking about this mixed multitude of Gentiles or the Jewish people, what was important is they all had a Passover experience. And what we learn from that is this. If you're going to be delivered from sin, being delivered from the, the judgment that is going to be poured out on this world, 
you have to have a Passover experience with the true Passover, the Lamb of God, Messiah Yeshua. And once again, in order to appreciate, to understand as we should understand what he did and why he did it, we need to understand Passover. And this is why it says, look again at verse 14, then one of the 12, the one being called Yehuda, or Judas, as we translate it in English, Judas Iscariot, came to the high priests. Now, this word for going to, some Bibles say went, however it's translated, we need to learn something. And that is that it's in the passive voice. Why is that important? The fact that it's in the passive voice tells us that there was something that caused him, that motivated him, that, that worked upon him to do what he's going to do. And what is that? Well, the other gospels tell us it was his love of money. When we love that which is not the will of God, we are going to find ourselves being manipulated by the enemy. Now, that doesn't mean that we're less guilty. It's because that we love that which does not belong to the will of God, his plans, his purposes. When we love those things, we are going to be moved away from where God would have us to be. Judas was disobedient. What we're going to see three times is that Judas, he betrayed. That's what the scripture says. He betrayed when he delivered over Yeshua to the high priests. Look now at verse 15. Notice what he says. He said, what do you want to give to me? And I unto you will deliver him. And this word of deliverance is indeed a word of betrayal. So when he says, what do you want to give to me? He's asking for a bribe. He wants a payment. And it's not by chance what this payment is going to be. Look at the second part of verse 15 where it says, And they literally stood. They placed before him is literally what it says. They stood before him 30 pieces of silver. 30 silver shekel pieces. Now, numbers are important in the Bible. 30 is related to death. Now, I just don't say that haphazardly. I say it because the Bible teaches that. Let me give you a few examples. In the book of Numbers, we see that, that Aaron died and Miriam died, the brother and sister of Moses. And we see in both cases, the children of Israel, they mourned Miriam and Aharon, Aaron, 30 days. They did not travel. They delayed their travel for those 30 days of mourning. So 30 is related to death. Let me give you an example of that from the New Covenant. When we look at the book of Luke, in the genealogy of, of Luke's gospel for Messiah, it says that Yeshua began his shirut, his service, his ministry, when he was approximately 30 years of age. What does that tell us? Well, obviously his age, but something more important than that. 
The number 30 relates to death, so it tells us that his ministry, the reason why he came the first time, was 30, death, in order to die, to lay down his life. And his death, and what we're studying now, is that his death came to us biblically, scripturally, within the context of Passover. Look now to verse 16. And from then, he was seeking, this is Judas, he was seeking an opportunity, literally it's a word for good time. The word time or season and then the word good, meaning an opportunity, the proper timing in order him, and this is Yeshua, in order that Yeshua, he would betray hand over. Verse 17. Now, verse 17 is one of the most problematic, pragmatic verses in all the scripture. And I say that not because there's anything wrong with the Greek text. The problem is how people understand it, how they render it. And this is true. I've never seen a translation in any language that gets it right. If your Bible says, and on the first day of unleavened bread, this is incorrect. Now, let's just think for a moment, and this is why I say that people don't understand the Scripture when they deal with the New Covenant. It's so important that we have a right understanding of the Old Testament so we don't make foolish mistakes. See, the first day of unleavened bread is the first day, 15th day, of the, the first month on the biblical calendar. That first month is called by the name Aviv, and then later on in the scripture, it is also called by the name Nisa. So two names for the first month on the biblical calendar, Nisan and Aviv. So the first day of unleavened bread is the 15th day of Nisan. Passover is the 14th day. Now, this is not an opinion you can read in Leviticus chapter 23 to find this to be supported. So it would make no sense for someone to come to Yeshua and say to him on the first day of unleavened bread, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? It's already completed. It's done because the day begins in the evening. So if they came on the 15th, and said, hey, where do you want us to make Passover? It would have been partaken of that night before. It's the same calendar day, but the day begins in the biblical uh, accounting at evening at sundown. Now, this can all easily be explained when you pay attention to grammar, because this phrase that's translated on the first day, it's not on the first day. It's in the dative in the Greek language. And the dative means towards, or for the sake of, or for the purpose of. So many times we can do something for something that takes place on that day of the week, whatever day it might be. We might prepare months before, weeks before, days before. So when we look at it accurately, verse 17, it simply says, for the sake of, for what's done on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples, they went to Yeshua saying to him, where do you want 
that we should prepare for you to eat the Passover. Again, Passover mentioned over and over in this chapter. So they're saying, where? For the sake of the first day of unleavened bread, when at nighttime they eat the Passover meal. They're saying to him, where do you want us to prepare the place for you to do this? And realize something else. There are several observances, not just one thing, but several things that are done. Now, there's something else we need to get right, and that is according to Jewish tradition, a tradition that precedes the birth of Messiah. Now, I emphasize the birth because Messiah is eternal. There was never a time that Messiah didn't exist, but we're speaking about prior to the incarnation, prior to Messiah entering into this world, taking on human flesh, there was a tradition. And that tradition is part of Jewish law today, and that is the 14th day, Passover. This day is observed with fasting. Nothing else is done, no work is performed, only those things in getting ready to sacrifice that Passover lamb. And as all fast days, there's usually a, a special meal called Seuda Mafseket. Seuda Mafseket is, we could translate it, the Last Supper. That's for every fast day. You eat the last meal before the fast begins. And this is what Yeshua did, and we'll talk about this more next week when we focus in on the Lord's Supper and what he said, what he taught to his disciples. But learn this. Traditionally, that Seuda Mephseket, the Last Supper, prior to the fast on the 14th day of Nisan, men did not eat it with their family. Men would go to their spiritual leader, to their teacher, to their rabbi, and they would eat a meal very, very similar to what they would eat the next night with one exception. And what was that? There was no lamb. Why? The lamb would be sacrificed the next morning. So this was the night before. Technically the same calendar date because again, the calendar day, the new day begins with sundown. So they ate this Seudah Mephseket, the last supper, prior to when the lambs were sacrificed. And then that night after they sacrificed the lamb, just a few hours after, after they, they cooked that lamb, roasted it on open fire, prepared that Passover Seder, that special meal. And what would happen would be this. The men who would observe the Passover Seder with their families, but they would learn from the night before with their spiritual leader. When they kept the Seudah Mephseket, the Last Supper, the leader, their teacher, would explain to them things related to Passover so that they could share them and give understanding to their family. That's how it was observed for more than 2,000 years and how it's still observed today. So all of this is part of doing the Passover. Look again at verse 17. For the sake of the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples went to Yeshua saying to him, 
where do you want that we should prepare for you to eat the Passover? Verse 18. And he said, go into the city to Poloni. Now, Poloni in Greek, it's the word Dana. It simply means to a certain individual, to someone. Other gospels tell us how they would recognize who this someone was. But here in Matthew's gospel, it simply says, go into the city. Remember, they're at the Mount of Olives. Go into the city. You're going to, to come to someone and you are to say to him, middle of verse 18, the teacher. Now this can be translated, the rabbi. The teacher says, my time is near. With you, I will do the Passover with my disciples. With you, speaking to this certain man, at your place, at your home, in the room, this upper room that had already been prepared for Passover, designated as a place, cleansed, but now it would have to go through the final preparations, and this is what the disciples are going to do. Look now to verse 19. The disciples also did as Yeshua commanded them. They made those final preparations. It says, and they prepared the Passover. This is involved. There are many things that need to be prepared in order to be observed. So we know that the Passover is the preparation day. It sets everything up for the first day of unleavened bread when that special Passover meal is partaken of, not the Last Supper. That is 24 hours before. That's what Yeshua celebrated with his disciples. But they were preparing that meal and then that sacred meal and they would be there for seven days where they would not eat anything that was leavened. So they would need a place that could accommodate them for that period of time. Get all the supplies, everything ready for that. Now look at verse 20, where it says evening. Now this evening is when they began the Passover observance. Dwelling in that place where they would eat first the Last Supper, the Seudah Mifsekin. We're going to see next week that Yeshua is going to teach us about the significance of what he said to his disciples on that last supper. But here it says, and at evening, he, this would be Yeshua, he was reclining, and we find that it says that he was doing so with his disciples. So it came about evening, Yeshua was reclining with his disciples, and he is when he was eating with them, he said. So now we're at this Seudah Mifseket, this Last Supper. Yeshua is reclining because that's how the Passover observance is done. It is a meal that takes both the Passover Seder and the Seudah Mifseket. It is a long meal of several hours of teaching, of explaining. And therefore, when it came about evening, Yeshua was reclining with his disciples, verse 21. And eating with them, he said, Truly I say to you that one from among you, here it is again, 
will betray me. Yeshua is going to be betrayed over and over. We see this being taught. Verse 22. And the disciples, it says, they were exceedingly, exceedingly sorrowful. And they began to say to him, each one of them began to say to him. Now, it's literally, they would ask, it's not me, Lord. Now, they said this, not in, if you look at the Greek, not in a declarative way, it is not me, O Lord, but they said it as a question. They said, it's, it's not me, and the implication is, is it? Now, this shows a lack of commitment. This shows that they understood that Yeshua was not popular, that he was, many people, the leadership, were conspiring against him. And they knew that, that things were going to happen, and therefore they said, with great sorrow, it's not me, is it, O Lord? And he, now verse 23, but he answered, he said, the one who dipped with me into the bowl, now the one who would dip with Yeshua into the bowl, and this was eating with someone, was an expression of a fellowship. And therefore, Judas, in order to conceal that he was the one who was betraying, he would eat with Messiah in a, a personal way. He would dip into the bowl with Yeshua. And Yeshua knew that this was a false pretext, that he was doing it to cover up that he was the one. So Yeshua says, the one who dips with me into the bowl, the hand, this is the one who will betray me. Now, you know what that tells us? Yeshua knows all things. He knew what was going to happen to him, and he also knew who it was that was going to carry it out. And he is going to reveal this in no uncertain terms because he says, now verse 24, the Son of Man will go as it's written concerning him. Now, this is something that is repeated over and over concerning Yeshua. That whatever the scripture says concerning him, he's going to do. He's committed to that. He's obedient to the word of God. The will of God can only be done when we are committed to the word of God. In other words, there is that inherent relationship between the word and the will of God. Verse 24 again. The Son of Man, he goes just as it's written concerning him, but woe to that man through whom the Son of Man is betrayed, is delivered over. Now, I hope you see this over and over in these verses that we've been studying. That word for being delivered over, that word for being uh, betrayed is repeated to show that Messiah was betrayed. Now, what's one of the lessons for us? Well, we are called to walk as Yeshua walked. 
And therefore, he tells us, we saw this in Matthew 24, just as they hated Messiah, they're going to hate true believers. Just as they, they, they persecuted him, they're going to persecute his true followers. We're also going to be betrayed, as he says, the, the enemies of a man will be the members of his own household, those who are closest to him. And, and Judas is demonstrating that. Now look at our last verse, verse 25. And we see here where it says, and Judas, the one who would betray him, answered and said, it's not me, and there's a change. Instead of saying, ho didaskalos, the teacher, he uses here emphatically the term rabbi. Now, many of you are taught, and this is incorrect, that the word teacher and rabbi are almost interchangeable in, in Hebrew. This is not the case. The disciples, they spoke of him as the teacher. But Judas, in order to try to show that he wasn't the betrayer, he's always about falsehood. He calls him by the term rabbi. What's the difference? Did you know that literally the word rabbi comes from the Hebrew word rav, which means great one, the abundant one, my great one. It is a term of, of a compliment. It's lifting someone up, up. So when Judas says this, once again, just like he was trying to camouflage his, his betrayal by dipping his hand into the bowl with Yeshua, now he's trying to, to camouflage it, conceal it, by calling him rabbi. So he says, it's not me, rabbi. And, and Yeshua, he says to him, you have said, meaning, yes, it is you. Yeshua knew this. Why? Because he knows everything. Nothing is hidden from him. Why? When the scripture shows that Yeshua knows all things, the thoughts of individuals, what's taking place, even though that he's not there to see it, it's all to emphasize to the reader his divinity. And why that is being emphasized here at this time is for one reason. It's to show us how the Son of God humbled himself, took on the form of a human being, being fully man as well being fully God, in order that he might do the work of redemption. He came as a humble servant. And we should see the Son of Man and the example, and follow after him. That's why we are told to take up our cross and follow him. And understanding his humility, his commitment to the word of God, and his acceptance of being betrayed by others is vital. If we're going to be people that do what God wants us to in the last days, that we are displaying the right commitment the right love, the right behavior that demonstrates indeed that we are his disciples. This is what you and I are called to do. Well, I'll close with that until next week and we press on in this 26th chapter of Matthew.
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Shalom from Israel.